Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petri. Bradley's mother, Narcus Golan, passed away in the fall. Bradley is autistic and needs structured routine and therapies he receives for his autism six days a week. However, Italy just entrusted Bradley to the Italian social services. If he is ruled to go back, he will then face the next three to four years in the Italian foster care system where he can't speak or understand the language. He will then be taken away from the only family he has ever known. Please call Governor Hochul, New York State, 518-474-8390. That's Governor Hochul, 518-474-8390 to please keep Bradley here safe in these United States. Hashtag keep Bradley safe. And also, if you could please go to the site, please do your job.com. We now we need 20, about 2,000 more signatures to get a case reopened. That's please do your job.com. And I have a return guest on. I'm so happy to have Lori Reynolds back on. She was last on season five, episode 26, where we talked about the dangers of CPS infiltration into these domestic violence shelters. And we're going to talk about CPS getting involved in your case and how to avoid the process, which leads us all into family court. So I welcome you back, Lori Reynolds. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing all right. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to have you on. You know, it just seems like um, a desperate process when you've got domestic violence going on and then you're trying to go to a shelter and then somehow CPS shows up. Well, and they did in my experience, obviously they had uh, come in and, and even had testified for me during the CPS case. There had been a, a couple of dependency hearings where the advocates had actually showed up and talked. And generally, they are told they're not allowed to do that. Domestic violence shelters have their own attorneys, uh, but they were so compelled by Gray and Sky's case that they literally, Lisa literally asked me, could I please go up and testify for you? And had stated that the mental health issues that they had accused me of um, come from domestic violence. And had addressed the judge and said, judge, you know that this is true, you know, and it was simply just depression and anxiety. And obviously, you know, at least 50 percent of of, you know, Americans have depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't, you know, and obviously it, it had made it clear, you know, I had attorneys say, well, obviously this is coming from the fact that you took the children out of the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, again, in, in the state of Florida, it's all about, you know, I had talked about this. It's all about ignoring the facts. Hey, it's just ignoring the facts as usual, uh, ignoring the children when they are crying for help, uh, when they're saying they're in fear. Um, and at this point, the children, you know, I, I, I speak to them uh, through social media at this point. Uh, and they uh, so they, they leave the door open that way and they're they're reading my messages. But it it seems as if everything is under sort of a cloak of darkness. Uh, again, the amount of control that they are under and the amount of control a lot of these children are under um, with a lot of these parents uh, means that they almost have to live a secret life. But yes, in this case, the domestic violence shelters, they do ask them for information. Now, the Betty Griffin Center that that I was in had a uh, uh, protected they are told to protect obviously the files everything is confidential uh since i had started counseling before i had actually filed for 
dissolution of marriage. You know, they they would not release the records. Obviously, they're not going to release the records. <laughs> they're not going to release the records, but they they press them, they press them. Um, and, you know, again, there are steps in order to even avoid the domestic violence shelter. I am not telling people, obviously, we have to be very vigilant about our mental health. But obviously, um, well, there are other ways to get through it. Well, I know, like, friends will offer you to stay with them. Or they may be afraid to offer you to stay with them because they don't want violence coming into their home. Well, this is a part of and that's true. Um, and and what what I, I mean, it is actually a fairly important subject as well. You know, even extended family, um, mm-hmm. the dangers, though, of and what I've learned, um, which didn't talk about last time, uh the dangers of actually losing members of your family is very large when you are trying to break an abuse cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're trying to break this cycle, uh, it, it has to be, you know, and I, I've told people, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a cancer survivor and I tell people all the time, uh, you know, I even told my children this when they were here for Thanksgiving I, you know, I told them, you know, I'd, I'd actually rather have cancer again than go through this. Mm-hmm. This is the most unbelievable. This is more trying than when I was a tiny child, <laughs> mm-hmm. a tiny child, three years old. I was diagnosed. You know, I, I had, a, um, you know, treatments for three and a half years. But even this is more trying. This hurts way more. Right. And it's I think it's a, a testament to honestly, to the sort of shift we've been seeing in people understanding that mental health is just as important as physical health. Mm-hmm. But in my experience, the effects on mental health, uh, what I've been reading about as far as judicial betrayal, there have been, you know, the American uh, Psychological Association has gone into many peer-reviewed journals talking about the effects of judicial betrayal and what that does to mental health. Uh, That does affect generations of children. Well said. I couldn't say that any better. It's about, you know, and and in fact, I've been reading the articles and, and it's actually motivated me at this point I'm actually doing a uh, Master of Science in Psychology at Regent University at this point. Mm-hmm. I have one professor, Dr. Wiles, who had <laughs> had I was I was surprised. I suppose it's fate had told uh, had told me that a, a final paper that needs to be done should be done on an article that I had offered to him, even though I had given him options on judicial betrayal. Mm. It is an article called Mental Health and Judicial Betrayal. Uh, and it talks about the effects of coercive control mm-hmm. and what judges allow and how this is affecting psychologists. This is affecting their community. This is why they have many clients. This is and and I believe that there are solutions for that, too. There are certainly solutions for what is happening in court. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. With these solutions some people run into there's so much collusion and conflict of interest and 
the judge is going along with it because they're getting paid off. Then what? And that's that's true. And that may actually, you know, uh, completely delegitimize the the issues that I believe that are in the court. Uh, I believe this one was definitely paid off. Again, the final order, which which many attorneys and and, uh, generally people ask me about, you know, had said, you know, that the children should not be returned because of a lack of full time employment. Uh, which is absolutely illegal in the state of Florida. So it does sound like it is a situation where he was paid off. I think any of the even deeper uh, issues do fall under the fact that I think the system is wrong. I think there should be an implementation of tests for judges. And I kid you not. Uh, Not Do you? uh, Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've talked about it on your podcast before. You know, obviously, these judges, we all know we're lawyers, right? But Um, not all lawyers are tested. But when you are a judge, you know, I I, I do not believe that in our society, the judges should be under some special umbrella simply because they are elected. Mm -hmm. I believe that anyone elected, anyone put on a ballot should be tested under certain areas, including psychology. Mm -hmm. Uh, there is no reason uh, they should be able to tell how to detect body language, how to detect liars, how to detect who is perjuring, who is committing perjury, who is bending the truth. Mm-hmm. Understanding what people are really saying through their body language, I think it's is. But even psychology in general would be an unbelievable improvement. And probably how, you know, judges would be able to read people. Hmm. Well, if if they're going to do that, I'm worried that a lot of them are psychopaths and they understand a, a psychopath attorney. They can identify with that attorney. And that may be true. Now, I understand that there are often um, even um, that's true. There are often even narcissistic, you know, judges as well. Yes, that is actually very true. Yeah. How do they work together? That is a good question. And obviously, this article that I've been reading and and I have to study and, and actually write out about it, about judicial betrayal is going to go into what exactly or how exactly this happens. Right. How coercive control happens. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, This this is what the article is going to really talk about. That's going to be interesting. I mean, I'd like to read it when you're done. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Even, you know, to post it on the the podcast, obviously, Mm -hmm. or if you need to post it on your website or anything like that for the viewers, that would make a lot of sense. Absolutely. Just to sort of see what the process is. Again, it it talks about what happens to the children, Mm -hmm. you know, after this coercive control happens and they become a part of the system. But again, the steps that you said that would probably be helpful to parents, you know, would we could probably get into that. About how exactly to avoid them first. I think I think that's really the number one issue here is how to avoid them in the first place. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I always tell people to avoid, just try to avoid 
going into any courtroom. See if you can hopefully try to mediate. Hopefully you're not dealing with a personality who drags you into court. Well, again, I don't think in my case it was anything that could be avoided. Again, sometimes, you know, it, it obviously you, you probably have parents who, you know, it's possible maybe maybe CPS in the, in the state did show up and, and they're not dealing with a toxic personality. Mm-hmm. You know, it, we don't need to have when we have a dissolution of marriage, we don't need to have a personality that's toxic. We do not need to, necessarily to have one of the parents or one of the parties have a disorder. That's not necessarily true. Uh, now, and, and obviously some of the steps, you know, they say first that if you have, you know, an agent come knocking on your door, or I call them agents. Yeah. <laughs> they're, I agents. They're, they're de facto agency, obviously. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this, you know, it's actually a, almost a subcontractor that the government hires mm-hmm. You know, and they hire many. But what happens is that when they knock on the door, you know, you read some sources that say that it's okay to step out of the house and close the door and don't let them in. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember when this happened for my third, my third who has lived with me his whole life, my, uh, the brother that is separated from Gray and Sky. Mm-hmm. When this happened with Silas and I had an attorney at the time, I had told my attorney that I didn't want to open the door. Mm-hmm. The reaction was that the attorney said, no, no, let them in. And I wasn't really good with that. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it didn't really sit well with me. I said, well, they really shouldn't come in if they don't have a warrant. You know, and that really is your right. Mm-hmm. American in the constitutional sense. Obviously, I'm, I'm very much a constitutionalist. Do not let them in. Obviously, you don't have a warrant. Don't come in. So some sources say step out. Be polite. Don't say much. But I think the bottom line really is to say every source states use it as if you're in an interrogation room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't say a thing, anything. And don't Sometimes you can t- If you read and, and if you watch a lot of these, you know, I'm sure you have some, some listeners who watch a lot of true crime. Mm-hmm. If you Watch true crime. You could tell. Look at the hardened criminals. Mm-hmm. Look at them sitting there. They do not say anything. Mm-hmm. And and believe me, I was not the expert at this. During the dependency case, I was defending my children. Mm-hmm. That was the wrong move. Mm-hmm. And I can admit that now. That was the wrong move, that I was actually defending my children. I was saying it out loud. I was getting passionate about it. I was emotional about it. You know, this is this is exactly what they want you to do. Um, and I think it's absolutely just amazing because if you think about it, these social workers are trained to psychologically manipulate. Mm-hmm. They are. They are actually trained to psychologically. They're told how to do this. However, and they know so much about psychology and yet, we know that it must be the way that the system has been built uh-huh. when the judges don't know how to do that. But the social workers do? Of course. Mm. So the steps are, if you do get a, a knock on the door, you know, obviously if they start banging, if it becomes, you know, a, 
you know, almost like a violent yeah. <laughs> sort of banging. You know, they say you can't open and close the door. But again, act like you're in an interrogation room in an interrogation room. Mm-hmm. Stand. Ask for card. Ask for information. Ask for what is the accusation. Then say. You will be speaking to my attorney. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Have a good day. Turn around and walk in. Do not make it any more than that. Don't give them any information. Don't answer the accusation. And above all, just like all of the other parents that I've been working with to get our children out, like all of the really smart parents talk about, always record. Yes. Yes. I'm sure you've had guests say that before. Mm-hmm. Always record. Always record. Hey, come on, most of you guys, you people, everybody listening. Hey, hey, most of you have a smartphone. Come on, let's go. Most of you have a smartphone. Most of us now, maybe some of you have flip phones. Most of you have smartphones. Record. Mm-hmm. Record. You have a recorder on your phone. You step out. You record. Everything is given to an attorney. However, no one wants to hear my experience with the, you know, seven attorneys I've, I've mm-hmm. hired over the past six and a half years, you know, seven. And no one wants to hear about the, that experience. But I think it might, you may want to get into getting an attorney. You know, like I said, you don't want to hear my experience. But, mm-hmm. but if, if they keep knocking, I would say, you know, maybe call a couple you know, have them on standby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if this, these workers knock again, yeah, then it's probably time to get one. Yeah. Now you're talking, if they come back later, they come back a week later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to protect your children. The issue was that, you know, and I, I obviously didn't know this, you know, a long time ago when I moved here with gray, he was two years old, but in the state of Florida, there are a couple of states that social workers are not allowed to speak to children in schools. In my situation with Gray and Sky, there are a couple. I believe I've, I've heard maybe, um, I'm, again, I'm not too well versed in that law, but uh, I believe Montana may be one of them uh, that says that children should not or, or cannot be spoken to without the parents' permission. Not true in Florida. There are some of the 50 states that do not allow them to do that. But in the case of Gray and Sky, they came in and talked to them, mm-hmm. talked to Gray, and manipulated him. Now, in these states, this is where it gets a little tricky. Okay, So they, even if you have an attorney, the attorney is not going to know that they walked in. Right. This is tricky. Okay. And even... It, like in our situation where it was simply the children understanding that we had escaped to a safe house, they'll still use that against you in some way. Uh-huh. Well, you know, we were the victims, we're the survivors, but they're going to use that still in some way. Uh, and again, in the end, what I tell people is that in, in my situation, why it has to go to a higher court at this point, the lower court is way too scared to talk to 
me. <laughs> you know, I contact them, but they are way too scared to even have hearings. I mm-hmm. call for hearings, motion for hearings. They don't respond. At this point, they know that it's of a, a higher level at this point. You know, it's actually in, in uh, uh, higher courts. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of can you avoid simply talking to them? Another tip, obviously, would be, and I talked about this last time, never sign anything. Yeah. Never yeah. sign anything. Even if they say they're going to cut off your hand, never sign anything. Don't sign anything. I had been uh, forced to sign under duress by an attorney. But again, the other plaintiffs, the other parents that I've been talking to, they were under the same situation. Oh. They also fell under duress. You know, they, they talk yes. about how they they signed something, but they didn't read anything. And they had attorneys telling them. So this is not uncommon. Right. Or you come into the uh, uh, the hearing and someone tries to manipulate you. The issue is, honestly, how strong are you? <laughs> yeah yeah can you be can you ma- be manipulated mentally are you really able to be ma- ma- manipulated mentally are well, you i know i was I, I didn't see this coming you know especially when someone's an empath they don't see this stuff coming and i unfortunately let this witch in who is lilith bean in my first book so i renamed her after a, a demonic entity but when she was screaming at me in my living room, she handed me a blank piece of paper and it just said, it, there was a line on it and she said, just sign this. It just shows that I was here. Something like that. So I stupidly signed it. That could be attached to any paperwork, people. And I wanted, obviously, yes, Marianne knows about this, definitely. And this is, again... You know, they don't tell you what you're signing, mm-hmm. which actually makes, you know, it, in the end, the issue is that it's it's technically being enforced. But whatever you're signing, any listeners, whatever you've signed, it's actually void. Mm-hmm. The contract is void. So it really actually doesn't matter. So the my children being in the other household, the household of the abuser. Mm-hmm. It's actually void. Ugh. It's a, you know, so if, if you have listeners that are, you know, have signed something, I will guarantee you that you didn't read all of it. No, you didn't. I, I, I will tell you. <laughs> and I've run into so many parents. Again, contract law is not something that, we're educated on and you know the u.s department right. of education is not going to spend time saying telling people we need to educate you on your rights because they're not going to do that they're not going to educate you on your constitutional rights in public school that's mm-hmm. not what they want you to know they don't want you to know that they don't want you to know that a contract is only valid if You've read it, and if you understand it, mm-hmm. 
So the issue is the re- what what child protective services uses are the gray areas. The gray areas of well, we can't prove whether you read it or not. Mm-hmm. That's how they're trained, right? Mm-hmm. So we know that they're trained in that way. Have well, have you, well, I don't know. You you signed it, so I guess you read it, didn't you? I mean, it's oh. This is why the the smartest parents that I talk to who are who are caught up in this this kidnapping trafficking ring mm-hmm. always record everything. Yes, yes, I I should have done that, <laughs> um, and I didn't either. And I didn't either because we you know we were caught up in domestic violence, uh, you know, counseling. Uh-huh. I mean, I, w- I was caught up in, you know, the the actual disillusion in general. Mm-hmm. And obviously it was it was fairly apparent that the abuser was the one who contacted them. Yes. Because because, you know, the judge w- had started talking about how we need to start changing the time sharing because, you know, mom is 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 doing the classes that I'm asking her to do, and she's almost done. Okay, well, since she's almost done, we're going to talk about timesharing. So he calls another big issue that parents talk about that I do think needs to be changed mm-hmm. is the fact that reporters are anonymous. Right. Thank you. Absolutely, a constitutional that, and that in itself, actually in this case, is unconstitutional. That is unconstitutional. In the United States Constitution, it states that if someone accuses you of a crime, you have a right to know your accuser. Uh-huh. That is the you that is constitutional. Well that is Absolutely constant. You are not allowed, you know, since the be- <laughs> our founding fathers. This is the kind of department the founding fathers would be rolling in their graves. Oh, over. they are. <laughs> oh, by far. They <laughs> this is this is the kind of department, governmental department, that number one, they didn't even intend for in the very beginning. The Constitution had only eleven departments. 11 departments in which the government had to run. That was their intention. Their intention was only, and you know, you have examples like, you know, the United States Postal Service, you know, the, mm-hmm. obviously that's one. Uh, I think, you know, maybe libraries are another, city halls. You're talking about it, the general services of the government, right? So you're talking along those lines. That's what the government was there for was for these general things like mail, roads. Roads was another one. That was another original one, right? Mm -hmm. But as soon as we started, you know, some, I think think it's a good example. It obviously was around way before the civil rights movement, but there are some good things that came out of the civil rights movement. There are some really bad things that came out of the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. This is a civil rights issue, obviously. All of these parents, these children who are trapped, these this ha- has to affect their civil rights, right? Mm-hmm. So in the end, what had happened? Well, again, the government went too far. 
So what do you do? I think it was Ronald Reagan, President Ronald Reagan, who had said, uh, obviously, had said, uh, I'm paraphrasing, one of the most terrifying things you could hear is, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Uh, sorry, yeah. That is a very famous quote from him, right? And obviously, this is not something that you think about when you're escaping abuse. You know, you don't really think about those things. But this is what happens. The government really isn't here to help you in the end. Now, that's my that, that's my personal feeling. They're not here to help you. They're they're here to manage, essentially. Mm-hmm. Now that maybe that may be something that uh, uh, U.S. nationals, you know, will will speak more about people who do not identify themselves as U.S. citizens, but they call themselves U.S. nationals. Mm. Uh, and they they essentially they work more around the Constitution. But again, I'm not a member of that yet. <laughs> huh. huh. I just, yeah, I mean, it's also traumatizing when you get a call from CPS and they're saying, oh, we'd like to come over to your house. You know, it's a good time. And it's like, okay, you, you just don't even, you're already caught off guard. And if I had to do this all over again, I would definitely tell my kids, that when they haul you out of your classroom and disturb your learning activities, tell the caseworker, I'm not speaking to you until my attorney is present. I really regret teaching the children that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and obviously, yeah, that's that's true. If you can in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. That's true. You you don't you don't plan for that, but in this this day and age, obviously, you know, last year it was the year before that too i'm sure a lot of the listeners had heard of the reports of parents who were being arrested at pta meetings Mm -hmm. because they were defending their there was one father who was especially who was who was in the front lines who was arrested for defending his daughter because his daughter was raped in a high school bathroom Mm. And he was arrested, I suppose, for being unruly. There were senators who started having meetings with the Department of Justice. Senators that were reprimanding the Department of Justice. Garland reprimanding him on the stand saying, you, there is no. So even representatives are are at least pretending Mm -hmm. to understand that there is an issue. They know that the issue was there. But it almost seems as if some of these senators and representatives think that somehow this issue fluctuates. No, it doesn't. Even in the Constitution when it was written, mm-hmm. the founding fathers knew that this sort of situation is circular. So what happens is there can be times in which the people can defend their rights and they have more power than the government. But it goes into a circle in which... Sometimes it escalates and it goes the other way and the government has more power than the people. Mm-hmm. And as it states in the Constitution, when that happens, you need a revolution. Mm-hmm. They understood and the writing is in there. They understood it is not going to be a single line. Mm-hmm. Most of us who have not been caught up in this, you know, uh, again, 
the biggest issue and the most frustrating issue are people, general, the general public, who have not been caught up with CPS, who believe that there is always something wrong with the parents who mm. are accused. This is the most frustrating thing I have ever, ever encountered. I, like I said, <laughs> I'd rather have cancer again. There oh. is no, like, like no, I mean, really, they, there is nothing worse than being separated from my kids. Mm-hmm. There is nothing. That's, that's and, and again, another testament to the fact that mental health is just as important as physical health. And I think, again, that's turning around. Sometimes you see more commercials now where they talk more about people taking care of their minds. You see that a little bit more. Sometimes you see these commercials. Mm-hmm. I think it's starting to turn around. I think people are really, even though, you know, psychology has been around since 1879 in experimental psychology, you know, it had its roots in, in philosophy and it had its roots in physiology. Mm-hmm. But it has become even more than experiment. We understand that the effects on the children are so astronomical. It's hard to even believe, you know, as I told you, you know, it was a, it was kind of a, a strange moment. The abuser allowed the children to be here during Thanksgiving. Mm. And it was a, an amazing blessing. It was an amazing blessing. Mm. I found out why later on. And for a couple of weekends before that, too. But the things that I observed psychologically, I'm not a psychologist. You know, I've, I've been in counseling, obviously, since the beginning, mm-hmm, since too, before yeah. filing the divorce. So, I mean, and you, you know about that. Mm-hmm. And you know that, you know, I, I've been in counseling, but that doesn't make you a psychologist. The things that I noticed in the children were mind boggling completely different children completely different you know i could give examples but you know they were with their brother their brother is the only one of the four of us who has not been traumatized Mm -hmm. he does not have a lifetime of trauma he has lived with me Mm -hmm. and so he is a very different person you know silas is very happy-go-lucky he's a very happy-go-lucky kid he has no worries He he doesn't have a care in the world and when he was with his brother and sister, it he was very affectionate. Mm-hmm. They didn't know how to take it. Mm. His sister would push him away. Mm. I had spoken to other organizations about this. She was curling up into a ball. Mm. She was telling him to go away. He was showing many signs of abuse, many signs. I noticed how Gray and Sky don't hug each other. They don't kiss on the cheek. They spend a lot of time uh, separated. Um, you know, even when they were at the house here at home together, at their real home together, they are not affectionate. Uh, they don't... Uh, know how to communicate um to them for the most part they will communicate about pretend so they have in essence it seems created their own worlds in order to escape Mm -hmm. 
So this is obviously what's happening to our children. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm still messaging them, but, you know, it's it's not, it was not a surprise that the abuser pulled back and is, is violating the, the, uh, the order at this point that states that the children should be with their family at least once a month. So he is violating that at this point. Mm -hmm. So he pulled all the way back in the alienation. So obviously the children had stated something to him. There was obviously something that had offended. And this is what happens with coercive control. What I was talking about with judicial betrayal, this is what happens. Obviously, the children had said something. Uh, you know, a couple of the things that the children had told me were, you know, most of the time, not every time I took them back, but most of the time, you know, I, as I was driving them back, they would say, I don't want to go back. And they were starting with the same language that they had during the dependency case, and it took me all the way back. It took me all the way back to during the dependency case when they would say those things, when they would say, I, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go. Mm -hmm. And that was when, you know, and at this point, obviously, I have, you know, a, a legal team that is telling me you will not adhere to supervised visitation because that's accepting it. That is what I have been told mm -hmm. at this point. You will not accept supervised you are not going to. So we. So now, like I said, I'm only accepting unsupervised. He's pulling back. And I did. And it was obviously the way it should have been. You know, they never should have been taken in the first place. But since the very beginning, you know, they so they did this coercive control against the judge. It'd be paid off. Those things are beyond my scope as far as how it works um who gets paid off and obviously you would know more about that mary mm. well you know um I, as you know i've been seeing a counselor since um what was it 2012 2013 to deal with people that need to see a counselor and she had told me uh because she also worked with the courts but <laughs> she told me uh i'm gonna say an expletive <laughs> It's not who you know, it's who you blow. And there's a lot of clerks in those courthouses that have more power than the judge. But that's another podcast in itself. That is absolutely something I didn't know either. Now, some of the clerks absolutely, and sometimes I would go into during the dependency case, I was so frequent inside the courthouse that the judicial assistant knew who I was. First name basis. That's how often I was in the dependency area now in st john's county florida the dependency area you know i i don't know if it's the same thing in every courthouse i'm sure it's not but they hide the dependency office all the way in the back i find that very interesting when yeah, you walk right. it, it's it is that what you find is that it, the it, same in your it's courthouse? in the basement i've i've found uh, it, they, they it call it a conciliation what? they called it conciliation oh, oh, conference oh. Oh, Whatever. of course. Yeah, it was just for your, you know, convenience and such. Oh, of course. So you walk in, right? And then, you know, you obviously go through the gate and, you know, like, do you have any metal? Yeah, blah, 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 metal detector. Right. But it's all the way in the back. Like you go right, right past family law, 
go past tickets, eight traffic tickets. Where's dependency? Oh, it's all the way in the back, right? It's down this dark hallway. I kid you not. A dark hallway, no lights, no lights, just a dark hallway. <laughs> and you walk in and then there's this, it, again, it's reminiscent of, you know, the listeners, the parents that are listening right now, it's reminiscent of the mafia. Oh. It always has been. It really is. I mean, you know, don't be fooled. I mean, the government has certain factions that may act as the mafia. Of course they do. Of course but, they do. But the mafia, you know? the mafia has more class. <laughs> they wear their suits and they go out there. Yeah. Now, and you walk in, now they have, you know, some lights. And yeah, like you said, it's sort of like a basement. You walk in, there's some sort of, yeah. There's some sort of lights. Sure. Christina would come in, look at me and say, Lori, okay, Lori. Hi, Lori. What did you need? Oh, man. But they would say to me, hi, Lori. What would you need? Yeah. What do you mean? I need my kids. What are you talking about? Why are you asking me this question? When you oh. know what I've been saying from the very beginning, what do you mean? And I would be like, I, I, I want records. And I remember going in there and saying, I want records. Many of Many parents that I speak to, obviously, they're under the same issue, which is that they they charge a lot of money for copies, mm-hmm. and they do that on purpose. Oh. They charge a lot of money, you know, mm-hmm. a dollar a page, and when you have oh two hundred and fifty pages, you know, two hundred seventy five, whatever oh, was in the deposit yeah. yeah, and you and you sort of go, well, I guess you know you can invest in that, and eventually. You know, I've gotten to the point where I'm saying, well, the the courts that I'm working in now, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to go in, they're going to tell them to relinquish them, mm-hmm. you know, to a certain extent. So, and that, mm. again, another fascinating aspect is that in some of, with some of the parents that I've spoken to, not just me, they completely ignore indigency status. That's another thing that I've noticed. Uh-huh. Now, indigency is obviously stating that you do not have the money to file, right? So it's interesting how they ask for money for other things. Mm-hmm. It's so fascinating. It depends on the, the department who's sp- speaking to you, right? They'll They'll say, well, no, but... You know, you you owe money on on you know fraudulent child support, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, no, 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 I don't pay fraudulent child support. <laughs> I'm not going to pay f- child support that is based on fraud. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that's if, a good point. That's a good point. And that's what I've been told too, right now. So so you know, you write letters, you know, to the the bureaus and you know the credit bureaus, and that's. That's part of the mess that they they try to create, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you give in, or we financially destroy you. Trying to financially destroy you, we literally pull everything from your credit. So, what do you? Again, in the beginning, you had stated, "Well, what do you do?" You don't say anything. Again, everything with these people is like an interrogation room. Mm-hmm. Like you, you watch true crime and you see the hardened criminals. And again, again, we're not the same because we're not criminals. But you see these hardened criminals, they will not say anything in the interrogation room. You don't say anything to these people. 
Mm-hmm. Like again, it's 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 like saying something to a, a postal worker. You have to treat them the same. Say it's a, a postman. Well, you don't tell the postman anything. I'm going to tell you something. No, you are the same as a, you are a government worker. That's all you are. Mm-hmm. So think of them. I think one of the what maybe a tip would be if they come to the door, which is very hard to do. Treat them like a postal worker. Mm. Like think of a postman coming to your door and saying, "Hey, can I talk to you about your children?" What? Yeah. No. Well, what? What? What is it? What? Like, why are you here? You always have to step outside the door, close the door, ask what the accusation is. Again, I learned this later. I didn't right. do that. Oh, we all have yeah. yeah. Step outside. What's the accusation? Record it all. Well, the accusation is that you, you know, uh, the child, your child came to school saying that you hit him. You know, it'll be something like that. Or a neighbor said that they saw, you know, she saw you hit him in the backyard or something, and I'm making something up. Mm-hmm. You record the whole thing. I need a copy of your card. I need your business card. I need a copy of any paperwork that you have there. I'll be here. You'll be hearing from my attorney. You have oh. a good day and walk yeah. back in. You know, it's it's really essentially think of it as gathering information. That's what I, I learned later. Think oh, of it as yeah. gathering information. That's that's what it is. So it's just like, well, you have a good day. I mean, you don't. Now, sometimes you see these amazing. I'm sure you have, Marianne, but you see these amazing TikTok videos. <laughs> now, this is another way to go. But these amazing TikTok videos of parents who, oh, confront them the way I did during the dependency case. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've seen. In some of fathers who say, you've come here over and over, raising his voice, you've come here over and over, there's no reason for you to be here, What? why exactly are you here? You don't have a right to, and, that, and he actually made another good point, this is something else that people can say. Mm-hmm. His really good point was, you don't have a right to be on my property. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> and he's right. If you tell someone to leave, yeah, they should. Do you have a door? Yeah, you have a door. But if you tell someone to leave, that's your right. Yeah, see, yeah. people don't know and, and or they're too nice and or they're naive. Oh. And they, that's true. There is a sort of naivete when we're escaping abuse. Again, they say that the most abusive time and the most dangerous the most dangerous time is leaving abuse mm-hmm. is the actual act of leaving. This is where the institution of coercive control comes in. This is where judicial betrayal comes in. This is where judges don't defend. And again, in the research, this particular peer reviewed journal called mental health and judicial betrayal. I'm sure we'll go into the details specifically of what happens and how it happens. And it does focus specifically on mothers. I know you may have a lot of fathers and, Mm -hmm. and of course that's just as important. That's Mm -hmm. just as important. 
but it does focus on mothers. What happens when a lot of times mothers, 95%, Dr. Lundy Bancroft would talk about how mm-hmm. 95% of the people that he would treat were women. 5% were men. That's true. Now, that is also because a lot of men do not report abuse. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so societally, the effects of society, right? Men do not report abuse. This is sort of what's happening there. That's why we see 95% women. And he would talk about how, you know, the, these effects on the mental health is, is again, you know, like I tell you, you know, I've, I'm still doing counseling. You know, there have been bouts where I've, I've sort of stopped for a little bit, but, you know, I'm still doing counseling now. And it's, it's pretty amazing all the things that they tried to tell me about coping skills. Mm-hmm. And again, the bottom line, though, is getting the children home. Mm. So it's not, you know, it, sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you don't want to think about coping. It's not about coping. It's about solving it, right? Right. right. So when you're a very goal-oriented person, you're like, the children are in danger. They are sitting in danger. And no one is doing anything about it. And that's the judicial betrayal. And that's and there was only one moment, and like I said, one hearing in which it seemed of all the hearings that I went to, I, I never missed a hearing. I never missed a counseling. Obviously, I needed to be with my kids, so I w- obviously went to the counseling at their schools, at these centers. You know, uh, a sky was confused. You know, she she would ask me. You know, that probably the most horrible. One of the most horrible moments of the entire dependency case is putting her into the car seat in the DCF car after one of our counseling sessions. And it was kind of weird. And you're asking me why, like, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, the worker had apparently said, Lori, you can put her into the car seat. I'm going to talk to Sky's counselor for a minute. Mm. probably should have recorded that probably should have recorded that I put Sky into the car seat and she looked at me at the age of two she's not three yet she's two years old and she looks at me inquisitively that my perfect daughter and says what happened oh And I lose it. I absolutely lose it. I look at Sky and I say, and she's eight now. I look at her and I say, I'm fighting to get you home. I I want you home. I'm fighting to get you home. Mm-hmm. It's not you and it's not me. And you try to explain to a two-year-old. It's not you and it's not me. And that's kind of hard, but she's two. And, you know, and, and, and she, you know, she has an understanding. So you can't, so you can't sort of think of it as younger children. They don't really get it. That's very insulting. I don't mm-hmm. like hearing that either. Mm-hmm. I hate hearing that. I hate hearing pe- people talking about you know acting as if children are not aware they're absolutely aware mm-hmm. i get so tired of people saying the the 
the oh the phrase that absolutely just irritates me to the core is children are resilient uh i was makes me then obviously you've heard that makes me angry yes all but fiery passion yes with just the Oh, I agree, because children are not resilient with this stuff. And these abrupt, rude caseworkers, I don't know how you feel, but I don't even call them social workers because they're not intelligent enough. Well, what I actually read, and, and, and obviously anybody can look it up, but what I've actually read, that's true. What I've actually read is that sometimes you only need an associate's degree. Right. Right. I heard that, which is which is two years of college. That's two, which is barely there. It's barely there. So imagine having twelve years. You go, you graduate high school. You know, you have a high school diploma, and two more years, and you can ruin the lives of families. Uh, That's it. All you need is two more years. You could go, hey, and then all of a sudden you're walking door to door, saying, huh. <laughs> Hi, I, you know, don't know if this is true. And a neighbor said that, you know, you were yelling or screaming, or, you know, you, you know, you were in the backyard and we saw something, and, you know what I'm saying? And obviously, and again, not knowing that's the bottom line. And I think that's the, the big issue and actually a very large way in which a lot of these cases wouldn't be opened in the first place. And I think it's designed in that way. That we don't know the accuser. Uh-huh. Again, very unconstitutional. Very unlawful. That in itself is absolutely unlawful. Agreed. It's absolute. Well, it's illegal. I mean, and maybe if we lived in other countries, other, you know, now most countries in the world now have constitutions, right? But in a time when most countries did not have constitutions, yeah, maybe that would have flown, mm -hmm. you know, but the, it's it's reminiscent of, of incredibly old uh, governments, of old governmental societies. Mm -hmm. It's reminiscent of monarchies, in fact. It's, you know, when a, a king or a queen, a lord, could accuse you of something, and you don't even know where it came from. This so, is reminiscent of pre-Constitution. This yeah. is why the Founding Fathers were influenced by John Locke, by the Enlightenment, where we started saying that everyone has rights. So anyone who ignores the fact that children have rights are not educated in and enough. Children have rights. Mm -hmm. They were born on this soil. They have rights. I am so glad I had you on this podcast and I want you to come back on again. Oh, this, that'd be wonderful. Yeah. This was beyond informative and I'm so glad we talked. And there's so much more to talk about. So uh, how can people reach you if they have any questions? 
Well, I did have an, an email address, save the gray sky at gmail.com, gray and sky, my children. Uh, but that's actually become fairly full. So now you can actually reach me at Lori Reynolds Viking at gmail.com. So that would be L A U R I E R E Y N O L D S V I K I N G at gmail.com. That is where people can reach me. That's always there. And as of right now, studying a master of science in psychology in order to help my children get through this. But again, it's obviously, it's still been a passion of mine, even, even before the domestic violence, but it's pretty amazing. The things that I'm finding out and in, in psychology, it is, it rests under the psychology of violence. Mm. It's interesting. So, you know, in psychology, everybody likes to think of psychology as clinical psychology. Mm -hmm. That's only one of about 54 different factions of psychology. Psychology is used everywhere, everywhere. But Mm -hmm. in crime, you know, there's there's criminal psychology, but that's more centered around, obviously, those who commit crime. But the psychology of violence, when we're talking about what happens to children and what happens to their brains, that's another faction. So the American Psychological Society or American Psychological Association has these peer reviewed journals that Mm -hmm. talk about what is happening in this in society. Mm. Oh, we're going to have an excellent podcast next time. (laughs) Uh, Don't jump off. okay? No problem. Slam the Gavels, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth, and Raised by These Wolves, How Family and Federal Courts Are Failing Our Children. You can find me on Spotify, YouTube, Apple iTunes, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, other platforms I don't even know about. And feel free to buy me a cup of coffee to keep this podcast going. And I totally thank you, Lori Reynolds. You will be back. Thank you, Marianne. Thank you for doing this for Gray and Sky and Silas, especially. Most definitely. Definitely.